Today I want to talk to you um, in the second part about uh, another thing to do with our trust, and that is how do I trust God? How do I trust God? You know, as Christians, we talk an awful lot about God, and at least we should, and, and we talk about our trust in God, but, but my experience with Christians down through the years is a lot of Christians say that they trust God, but the reality of the situation is we actually don't fully trust God. Uh, so how do we fully trust God? Well, the dictionary definition of the word trust is assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. To trust something or someone is to have 100% confidence that they will do what they said they will do and will not let you down. We have trust in many things, don't we? I mean, every one of you, when you came in here this morning, I, I did not see one person get the chair that they were about to sit on and check it for strength or turn it upside down and make sure that the base was securely uh, attached to it or, or you didn't check to see if it was wet, if there had been a leak in the roof overnight or anything like that. I mean, everybody came in here and they just sat down. Why did you just do that? Because you trusted the chair. And why did you trust the chair? Because you've sat in those chairs before, and those chairs have never let you down. Now, 20 years ago, 22 years ago, when this church started, we started off in, in the numerous different buildings in, in, in this town. And if anyone has been with us, and I know several of you have been with us those 22 years, you'll remember the green chairs. We had green chairs, didn't we, I.O.? And, and Maxwell, them, the green chairs were great, weren't they? They were great on carpet. There were green garden chairs. Now, green garden chairs are great on grass, they're great on carpet, but they are horrible on tiles or wooden floors. And we used to meet in the building here in town that uh, we used to use these green garden chairs in, and it was a shiny, smooth timber floor. The amount of people that sat in those chairs, that the chairs just went whoop underneath them was unreal. So we had a real trust issue with those chairs, didn't we? The same kind of issue we don't have with these chairs today. So how do we build up trust? We build up trust in something to know that it'll do exactly what it says it will do. And these chairs are trustworthy. Amen? Glory to God. Trust, to trust something or someone is to have 100% confidence that they will do what they say that they will do and will not let you down. If you're someone like me, and I say probably many of you are, you don't take that many risks. I'm not a risk taker. I, I really am I'm not. Some things, when it comes to, to, to God, yes, I, I'll trust God with all of my heart. But when it comes to things in the natural, I will never jump out of a perfectly good airplane. I will never pass someone on a bend. I would never put my house on a sure thing. And I, I would never want to swim with sharks. I mean, what kind of a clown swims with sharks? Have they not seen Jaws? I mean, sharks kill, amen? You're bait. That's what you are. When you swim with the sharks, you're bait. You're chum. You're, what? you're the worm on the end of the hook, okay? I would never swim with sharks. I am not a risk taker. I don't take chances. I, I would never leave anything to chance. But if I trust someone or if I trust in something, I am into it 100%, amen? So how do I trust God? 
You know, when you go through some stuff, how do you trust God when you're going through the tough times? How do you trust God that God will bring you out the other side? One of the ways that I learned to trust God very early on in my Christian walk was in the area of giving. I got saved, came to Jesus back in 1993, and when I did, I knew very little about God. I mean, I brought up in religion. I knew the religion of God, but I knew very little about the things of God. And, and very strangely, when I came to Christ, one of the first things that I was taught was to give. I don't know whether the church that I got saved in had a big debt that they needed to get paid off, so they needed to make sure everybody knew about giving, but that was the first thing. I got a massive revelation about giving. That was one of the first areas I thought on. Now, I don't know why, but I believe it was something that God wanted me to get a hold of very early on in my walk with Him. But trusting God with my finances was one of the very first things that I learned about God and one of the very first areas that I put my full trust in God. And I was told, if I gave to God, I could trust God. And in, in trusting God, I could also put God to the test. One of the first scriptures that I was brought in the Word of God was Malachi chapter 3, and verse 10. Now, as a person who was brought up Catholic, that was something we never looked at. We never went really to the Old Testament or, or, or never went to certainly scriptures like Malachi chapter 3. And I was showed there where it says that we can bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And this is the part that I was pointed to. It says, test me now in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see that, that I, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on you such a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it or store it as the New International version says. Now, one thing that I do like, I'm not a chancer, but one thing I do like is a risk-free trial. Anybody else like risk-free trials? Is that how you subscribe to Netflix? Maybe you got a month free with Netflix or something like that, or maybe Amazon Prime offered you a, a month free Amazon Prime, so you decided you sign up for a month, and then before the end of the month, you forgot to cancel, and then they signed you up for a full year. <clears throat> I do like a risk-free trial where someone will say, hey, just you know, sample our service for a month without any cost and see what you think of it. So when someone, uh, the person that, that witnessed to me came to me and said to me that, you know what, God says that given to him is a risk-free trial. I, kind of, I was kind of like, okay, well, sure, look at, you know, I, I'll chance it. And I did, I, I, I signed up and, and I've never stopped giving since that day. It was something that, that I bought into from day one, my finances. But you know what? The one thing, the one characteristic, I suppose you could say, about my finances at that time when I came to the Lord is that I had none. So I suppose maybe it was easier for me to sign up to something when I had none rather than sign up to something that, that uh, if I did have some. And we had no money. We had uh, just married, uh, Angela and I, or actually just about getting ready to get married, and, and uh, I worked in a part-time job. I earned about 150 pounds a week. In euros, that's about 180 euros or so a week for, a, for just about a full week. Angela, she had a full-time job, and she was earning less than I was in a full-time job. She was getting about 120 pounds a week. 1993, okay? Remember, we've moved on, praise the Lord, ever so slightly since then. And most of the money that we had was going into paying for our mortgage, uh, and it was also paying in, uh, into keeping our one car on the road. 
So when I heard about giving, I got a conviction that I had to give, and I did. I started to give, especially when I was told that this was the one area that God said that I could put him to the test. Test me now in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on you, pour out on me, such a blessing that I would not have room enough to store it or receive it. So I did. I put God to the test, and I started to give, started to trust God with 10% of my income. And, and we used to get paid in cash then. Anyone remember getting paid in cash? It was great, wasn't it? Real money, remember? Remember that? I don't know when the last time I had real money in my pocket. When I have change in my pocket, now I wonder what's in my pocket, because it's like we don't normally have money in our pockets anymore. But we used to get paid in cash. Every Friday, we would go to the cash desk uh, in, in our place of employment. We'd sign, we'd give them our number, and we'd sign for our wages. So what I started to do is when I used to get paid on Friday, I used to get uh, 10% of what I was earning, and I used to give it to my friend, the guy who witnessed to me. I'd give it to him, and I'd say, when you're in church on Sunday, put that into the offering. You might think that's strange. Why don't you do it yourself? But here's the thing. I wasn't actually going to church at the time. I'm probably the only person in history that started a tide before I started to go to church. That's a strange one. Yeah, that, that, that is. But the, the thing was, uh, I worked in Wexford, and we lived after we got married here in Enniscorthy. And I didn't drive. We had one car between the two of us. Uh, and because of insurance costs, I, I wasn't driving. Uh, Angela was the only one to drive because way back in 1993, if you remember, it was so much cheaper for a woman to get insurance than a man, and especially a young man like, like I was. I was young once. I was 21 at the time. 22. 21? 22? Well, anyway, in around that. Something in around that area, yeah. But it was impossible for younger drivers to get insurance, apart from women. Women could get insurance cheap, so Angela was get, able to get insurance on our one car, so... What used to happen is Angela used to drive me to work and she'd either come and collect me after work or I'd find my own way home. I used to either walk, tum, cycle. I, I used to do uh, various things. I never crawled. I walked or tummed. Uh, sometimes I used to get a lift. Other times I used to, uh, I did several times walk from Wexford to Enniscorthy. I used to be a lot slimmer then. Not that I'm not slim today, but it was less of me in it then. But then I was only 22, I Yes, and I have put on a few years since then. But I wasn't going to church on Sunday. So my friend was. So what I would do is I would give him my offering to put in the offering basket in church on Sunday, the church that he went to. And that's how I used to do my tithes and offerings because I wasn't driving, wasn't going to church. So one thing that I also didn't mention that I probably should mention, but I didn't mention, and it's a different story altogether, is that when I started to give, and I didn't tell Angela that I was given. See, Angela hadn't come to faith at that stage yet. Uh, we were, I was witnessing to her best I could, which wasn't really very well, but I was doing the best I could and, and getting her to watch stuff on television that probably wasn't great either. You know, Christian television, praise God, is not much better today than it was back in 1993, but... Uh, we were working on her, praise God. But uh, Angela hadn't come to faith yet at that stage after we got married, and um, uh, I was given 10% uh, of our very little that we had. So, praise God, uh, it came to a day that I had to tell her, and I will tell you that story some other day, because, praise God, that didn't really go down very well. 
But anyway, I'm still here. Angela got saved. Glory to God. I still have all of my fingers and thumbs. Praise God. No, no physical scars from it. But it was a mistake. Glory to God. But what did I do? What I did is I put God to the test. I heard that God said that if I gave, that he would give back good measure, pressed down, running together, shake, shaking together, running over, glory to God, that God would put into my, and, and pour out on, on me if I started to give. And I did, I put God to the test. And, and you know what? God didn't let me down. Never let us down. Even though I mean to tell you in those early days, we had nothing. We had a house. That's what we had. Glory to God. I mean, we had a house, we had a car. You know, the first car we got was written off car. It had been written off by the insurance company because the previous owner had he, he, a little bang on it, not a whole lot of a bang. It wasn't a whole lot of damage. Cars were tougher back in 1993. So, so my brother happened to, he was a mechanic, happened to get us this car. It was a written off car, so we paid very little for it, but we got it fixed, got it on the road. And I mean, we had a house, we had a car, and we had each other. Glory to God, that's all we had, that's all we needed. But other than that, we had nothing. Every cent we had was going to pay our mortgage and, and what was left over was going to keep the car on the road and, and keep us fed. But, but praise God, we had nothing, but God never let us down. There was times, I tell you, there was many times during that time that I had the thought in my head, why am I still giving 10% of my income? Why, I, I could use it so much better, so much more in, in another area when we'd have a need, but... I never, ever, ever considered not doing it. Never. I never regretted giving, never, never got to a stage where, you know, I said, I can't give this week uh, and because I have X, Y, and Z, just kept on doing it. And God kept on being faithful week in, week out, month in, month in, year in, year out. God was always faithful. He never let us down. He showed us in all of that that we can put our full trust in him. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. God will make those ways. Amen? No matter what situation you ever find yourself in, trust in God. Amen? Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 16 says, in the New Century Version, it says, this is what the Lord says. He is the one who made a road through the sea and a path through the rough waters. God will make a way. No matter whatever seems to be impossible to you, no matter what you face, we serve a God who excels in the impossible. When you come to the end of your possible, that's where God is standing there rubbing his hands together. You've done everything that you could. I mean, you can do no more. It's at that point that God is saying, come on in, let's see what we can do. Can you picture that? You got to the place where you can do no more. You've done everything you could. And it's in your own strength, that's it. That, at that very point, at that line in the road, that's where God stands and says, next step that you'll take is to trust me, to step into my reality, which is the impossible. God deals in the reality of the impossible. Amen? What's impossible for you and me and scientists and governments and the whole world is possible for God if we trust in Him. That's where we got to put Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 into place in our lives. And that says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not 
on your own understanding. There's three points in that. We got to trust God with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. Amen? If you are going to trust anything in your life, let it be God. Amen? And when you do, you do it with all of your heart. People hate half-heartedness. Amen? If you go to a restaurant and your food comes out on a plate and half of it's hanging over the corner of the plate, it's only half cooked, I mean, the chips are raw, the food looks bad, it's not well presented, the tablecloth is dirty, the spoons are... I mean, you're not going to settle for that, are you? I mean, we wouldn't settle for half-heartedness if we went out to, for a meal. So why then would we ever present half-heartedness to our God? We should never present half-heartedness to our God. When you ask your kids to do something, you ask your kids to hoover. How many of you have ever asked your kids to hoover and had to go around and do it stuff again after they've hoovered? Every honest parent in the house. Praise God. You ask your kids to hoover. And I mean to tell you, you actually, when you, it's coming. <laughs> For all of you newly married couples, it's coming. You'll ask your kids to hoover, and I mean, the floor looks worse. You're kind of thinking, is there a reverse action on this hoover? Did they just blow all the dust that was in the hoover out? And you end up doing it yourself again. Nobody likes half-heartedness, amen? So when you trust God, you trust Him with all of your heart. You just give it all to Him. You just let it go, as if... You know, there's a thing that, that you often see maybe on television where, where people ask you to do the trust fall. You know the trust fall? Someone stands behind you like this and, and you're meant to just, without looking back, you're, you're meant to just, you know, fall into their arms. That's the way God wants you to trust him. Just close your eyes and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm trusting you. And just fall into the trust of God. Trust God with all of your heart and leave your own understanding of reality at the door. Leave it at the door, amen? Like when you come home with mucky boots, you leave them at the door. When you're trusting God, you leave your brain at the door because reality and God don't mix. They're like oil and water, amen? I mean, so many Christians can't get a grasp of trusting God because they just try to work the thing out in their own mind. When it comes to God, you don't need to work it out. You don't need to know how, how he done everything that he did. You don't need to know how he created the universe. He just did. Amen? We don't need to know how Jesus walked on water. We just know that he did. Amen? We don't need to complicate things when it comes to Christ. When it comes to following God. Just trust him at his word. Amen? Amen? When a husband comes home from work, the wife does not need or should never sit him down and say, okay, what did you do every minute of your day today? I want you to tell me everything that you did today because I don't fully trust you. I don't know what you were doing between 11 and 25 to 12. I need to know. Amen? You got to trust them. We trust our husbands. We trust our kids. And we trust that seat we're sitting in this morning. We should trust our God. Amen? Check your understanding of God at the door. Too many people are trying to work out God. Can I tell you something? You never get there. Amen. He is eternal. We will never get there. We are not created to understand our God. We're just created to trust our God. Amen? We need to stop trying to figure out how God provides. 
Stop trying to figure it out. Too many people are saying, you know, I don't know how God is going to provide. Nobody owes me anything. Nobody left me anything in a will that I never claimed. We need to stop trying to figure out how God will provide. Just trust that he will. Stop trying to figure out how God heals. Just trust that he will. Amen? Lean not on your own understanding. I mean, stop trying to understand it. Just trust him. Amen? Trust him. When I sit on a plane, I don't ask the pilot everything to do with the, the taking off of the plane, the, how, how the plane stands up in the air, how does he find where he's going to, how does he land the plane. I don't ask him those questions. I just trust him. He knows what he's doing. He's been trained. And God is old enough now to know what he's doing. Amen? Not to have me, a 50-year-old guy from Enniscardi, coming and questioning him. Amen? He's much older and much wiser and much more experienced than me. I don't need to question him. Just trust him. Amen? Trust God. We need to trust him. Stop trying to work things out in, my, in your own understanding. Psalms 37 and verse 4, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to, to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. It says, trust in the Lord, and he will bring it to pass. Amen? Amen? Amen. Church, we serve a supernatural God. How is that too hard for some people to understand? He is supernatural. Amen? Supernatural. He can do things that we can't understand, and that is okay. Amen? Trust Him. He is well able. Amen? Trust God, and He will bring it to pass. How many people will say here today that they have a friend that they would trust their life to, would put their life in their friend's hands? Did you get that trust for your friend on your first meeting? I mean, it was the first time you ever met him. And five minutes, 15, 20 minutes later, you came away from that meeting and you were like, oh, I trust that person with my life. You didn't get that way. You built up that trust, didn't you? I mean, you met him once, you had a good conversation with him, and, and, and you know, you, you enjoyed their company, you, you thought they were a nice person, and, and you said, okay, well, sure, I can meet that person again. And you've met that person over several times, over several months, over several years, and they've proven themselves to be trustworthy. And it's in that proven themselves to be trustworthy that you would say that I would trust my life in these hands. I, I grew in my trust with that person. So how do we trust God? We spend time with God in His Word. We spend time in prayer with God. We converse with God. We talk with God. Spend time with Him. Look into His Word. Pray. We, we get to know God more the more time we spend with Him. We invite God into our lives. We talk to Him about our problems. I mean, you wouldn't trust a stranger to mind your kids, would you? You wouldn't trust a stranger to give him your bank card, would you? You wouldn't do that, would you? You wouldn't give your car to a stranger and say, yeah, yeah, go for a spin, bring it back whenever. You wouldn't do that. So how do we get to trust people? <clears throat> we get to know them personally. And over time, you know that they're dependable. And eventually, <clears throat> you know that they're for you and they're not against you, they're on your side. 
So how do we learn to trust God? In exactly the same way. Psalms chapter 9 and verse 10 says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Or the very special end-along version this morning of that is, those who take the time to get to know you, Lord, will put their trust in you. And when they do, Lord, you will not let them down. When you trust in God, God will not let you down. Amen? Here's the big question today. Why did Peter ask Jesus, could he come to him out on the water? Why did he do that? I mean, that's a crazy thing, isn't it? I mean, why would you do that? He was in a perfectly good boat. Okay, they were getting bashed around by the wind, but they probably weren't going to sink. They were in a good boat. But yet, he asked Jesus, can I come out to you walking on the water? Why did he do that? Because Peter trusted Jesus. He trusted him. He trusted him. And why did he trust him? He trusted him because he had spent time with Jesus. And he had witnessed Jesus' faithfulness. He had confidence in him. He knew that Jesus was on his side and that he would never leave him in, lead him into danger or into trouble. So when he saw Jesus walking on the water, he believed that if Jesus said that he was, could come to him, he believed that if Jesus said that, that Jesus was, was out for his best interests. So if Jesus said I can come walking to him on the water, then he's not going to lead me into danger. I trust this guy. I've spent time with this guy. I have, I've, I've spent days and nights, I've watched him doing great things, and, and now if he says I can come walking to him on the water, then I know because I trust him that I will be safe and I will be able to walk on water. And he did. Peter asked Jesus, could he, walk on, could he come to him walking on the water? Because he trusted in him. Psalms 56 and verse 3, it says, Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? When you put your trust in God, it will quench fear. Amen? When you are in a fearful, dangerous situation, when you put your trust in God, it will get rid of fear. It will quench. It will destroy fear. When you put your trust in God, it will give you the kind of confidence that David had when he faced Goliath. David had experienced God's faithfulness many times before that because David, he had spent time with God when he was out there on the hills minding the sheep. When he was out there in the hills, he was singing psalms with God, to God. He was worshiping God. And then when the time came that, that a bear or a lion had taken one of the sheep that he was minding, he trusted God that if he went after that lion or that bear, that God would protect him. So when he came up against Goliath, when he stood there against Goliath, and, and when Saul tried to lay him down with, with all of his own armor and his shield and all, David was kind of like, you know what? This stuff don't fit me. This stuff is not for me. And you know what? When I volunteered to go and, and kill Goliath, I wasn't volunteering thinking that I was going to get your shield. I wasn't volunteering thinking that you were going to put your armor on me. I volunteered as I stood there. As I stood there, I said, I'll take him out with the tools that I brought. So when David went to face Goliath, he'd already built up this amazing trust in God that God wouldn't let him down. That's why, how this young, ruddy-looking boy, 
was able to stand facing a giant nearly as high as the roof and stand in front of that giant and say, I'm going to take you down. And David didn't say that, you know, as by way of a threat or just to sound bigger. He said that because he knew he would, because he trusted in his God. Amen? One final scripture this morning. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. This is for you and me to help us to trust in our God. You got to know how your God thinks about you. This is what he says to you and me this morning. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God wants to give us a future. He has a future for us. He has hope for us. And how do we get into that? We get into it when we trust him. So how do we trust God? We get to know him. We discover that he is dependable. And we know that he is for us. He's on our side. Amen?